Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint on Expedition Today by the Seashore of Galilee once more. Standing with me is a member of our Viewpoint Expedition team, and you are? Cheryl Regal. Cheryl, where's home? Lake Wales, Florida. I've heard of it. The sun shines there a lot. Too much. <laughs> Too much, she says. And uh, the sun's not shining this morning. It's kind of a misty, cool, chill morning by the seashore of Galilee. But you and I and the rest of our team have been around the sea in the last couple of days, and the sun has been brilliant, and I think it's coming back today. You know, Cheryl, we're so glad that you and your husband have come along on the journey. Uh, is there something in your experience here in these lands we call holy that has moved you or impressed you? Everything that I've seen has, but especially um, this region, the Sea of Galilee. I'm overcome. I sent my daughter an email last night and said there are no words to describe this feeling. Every stop adds depth to my soul. And in this one, I just heard you speaking about what happened here and how his best buddies didn't even recognize Jesus, although they were, I'm sure, obsessed with his current events at the time. They came to the beach and finally saw who he was, and I wonder how often I'm confronted with Jesus and just don't see that that's who he is. And you're referring exactly to where we are on the northwest shore of Galilee, at a place that is traditionally thought to have been the scene where Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to seven disciples, including Peter, and uh, had a very important conversation with Peter, and we're standing there now. And you're describing your own emotion here, just imagining it. And uh, Cheryl, I'm hearing you say that as you're standing here, it's not just about what happened here, it's about how you're identifying with what happened here in the modern time. Is that fair? I mean, you're, you're actually walking in the footsteps and, and living for yourself some of that journey. I've been in the Church of God and as a Christian my entire life, and I have never felt less adequate um, to the task. It's, I want to go do more from having been here. We're so glad, Cheryl, that you have come along on the journey as the rest of our team. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what actually happened here 20 centuries ago, but not just as ancient history, but as a life lesson for today. Stay with us. Standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes our hearts can say.
I'm standing on a rocky beach, the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, and as I stare across the water, it's a gray day. The sky is overcast, although there are patches of light that are beginning to break through. It's early in the morning, and as is often the custom in this place weather-wise, the mist will hang over the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a large freshwater lake, 13 miles long, eight miles wide, surrounded by a bowl of mountains. And in the warmth of the water, as the cool air of the new day meets it, there's a kind of mist, but the sun will break through. And even as I'm talking, there's a movement in the clouds and there's light that's beginning to break through those clouds. I'm going to guess, though I'm not a weatherman, that before this day ends, the sky will be clear. But right now, it's just a little bit misty. You can hardly see the shore across the way, but you can see the water gently lapping against the shore. What I'm looking at is the same today as it's been for millennia. That's one of the wonders of the Sea of Galilee is that it has not been changed over time. Oh yes, the communities along the shore have been modernized. Some have died out in centuries past. Some have come to life, but the water, the lake, the mountains, the sky, it's just the same today as it was when Jesus was here, when his disciples were here. And this particular rocky beach is famed for being the traditional site where a very important moment took place. And I want to share with you some of the history of this place. It's recorded by John, who refers to himself in the gospel that bears his name as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It sounds a little pretentious, but actually it was a way of self-effacing without naming himself. He was a disciple very close to Jesus and walked with Jesus and lived long and well for Jesus. But it's his record, it's his thought, his memory of the events on this beach that I read today, we believe, penned by the Holy Spirit in John's hand. John chapter 21. Later, and this is after some other resurrection appearances of Jesus, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, who was nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. This tells us that there were seven in all present. And remember when Jesus rose from the dead in Jerusalem at the garden tomb, he told Mary Magdalene, tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. I want to meet them there. They returned to Galilee, which is some distance from Jerusalem, and here they were. And Jesus, true to his word, appeared. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. He didn't know Jesus was in the neighborhood. He just was trying to make do day by day. His whole world rocked by the death and the stories of the resurrection. We'll come too, all the other disciples said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night. They would fish at night because that's when the fish would rise to the surface. But they had fished all night and could catch nothing. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples could not see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Right where I'm standing, we believe, Jesus stood, the resurrected Christ, the word become flesh in his new resurrected body. He stood right here on these rocks and he called out to them in the boat. They did not know who he was. No, they replied to the stranger on shore. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some fish. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. The stranger called out to them, desperate for some advice, failed in their attempt all night long to catch fish, and fishing was their livelihood. They decided to take a chance from the voice on the shore, still not knowing who it was. But as they did what he said, wow, 
all night faded into their quick memory as now they had a haul of fish that they could barely get into the boat. Verse 7, John 21. Then the disciple Jesus loved, we believe this is John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was Jesus, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shoreline. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Bring some of the fish that you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. It's a very vivid description right here on the seashore. And as I'm looking across now, there's a big wooden boat sailing by, a boat filled with pilgrims just like our CBH team who are tracing the footsteps of Jesus. We think of the Sea of Galilee as the place where he taught and lived and walked before the cross, and so it is, and so it was. But we must also remember that Galilee was the stage of the post-resurrected Jesus too. We know that for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus met with his disciples and he taught them. So much of what we understand about the gospel, so much of what is disclosed in the later letters of the New Testament after the four gospels that begin the New Testament, was delivered in those 40 days. It's then that the eyes of the disciples were opened to the full majesty, power, and calling of Christ. And that took place in the main in Galilee after the resurrection, as it did before. And on this beach, Jesus had time with his disciples, seven of them. There are several things about the story that, as I stand here, I cannot resist sharing. First, as Cheryl acknowledged, here the disciples who had walked with Jesus and already seen him before risen from the dead still did not recognize him, though he'd be close by. They heard his voice, they saw his figure, but they were removed from him by a small distance, and they couldn't see who he was. What a great assurance for all of us to know that Jesus is always close by. You may not see him, and you may not be able to recognize him in the moment. But no matter where you are, no matter how frustrating your night of fishing, no matter how great your disappointments, know that Jesus is close by. He is watching, and he is waiting. He's waiting for that moment where you, in your frustration or your disappointment, or even your despair, begin to look up and to look for some other answer than the ones you've been able to craft for yourself even as the disciples were a stone's throw from where I'm standing now, they couldn't see him, but he was close by. And folks, in your life right now, know this, Jesus is close by. And as you come to a point where you're not sure what to do next, you've tried everything you know how to do, it is the resurrected living Christ who can speak to you. Yes, I believe he still speaks. He can, in the most material way, help guide you for your job, for your family, for your health where you call home, what you do next, how do you throw the net over the boat? The next thing that strikes me is that after they trusted that voice, after they took a chance with the voice from the shore, they recognized Jesus. You know, when you get a blessing and you really understand the blessing, you can't help but look and find Jesus. Jesus will prove himself to you, but you have to walk by faith. You have to take a chance. Oh, I've, I've been fishing all night. It hasn't worked. I'm not going to try it again. I'm not going to try what you say. 
Give the voice a chance, the still small voice of God reaching into your heart. And when you do that and you see the fruit of it, then you'll recognize it is the Lord. And when Peter gets it, when Peter understands that's Jesus, nothing can hold him back. Not the fish he caught, not the boys on the boat, nothing. He puts on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. Again, the imagery so vivid. They worked hard. It was hard, material, physical labor. But he threw on his cloak and he jumped into the water. The Sea of Galilee is only 200 feet deep at its deepest. And here close to the shore, he could jump out of the boat. Did he swim? Probably at first. And then his feet touched the bottom of the lake. And then he ran across the rocks. He wanted to meet Jesus. When you see Jesus, you have to run and greet him. And when he found Jesus on the shore, when he walked up on these rocks where I'm standing now, what did he find? Jesus was already two steps ahead. A fire was engaged. Food was already on the grill. Jesus is always two steps ahead of us. He knows what we need and he has prepared what we need. All we have to do is run to him. Bring some of the fish that you've caught. Let's expand the menu. Let's create more food, but there's enough here to get going. I know you're hungry, Peter. I know that your soul is hungry. Come and dine with me. Jesus is so willing to break bread with us. Think about this. How many times did Jesus meet his disciples, meet those who are searching for life over a meal? The Last Supper was a supper. The house of Zacchaeus was a dinner. The party with Matthew upon his calling was at a dinner party. We need to know that worship is not always divorced from food. Do not think that having food somehow stops you from worshiping and engaging Christ. No, it's at the meal table. It's with food in hand that you can so often have a conversation with Christ. Make your meals sacred. And even in our churches, allow food to become a central part of the ministry instead of something that's always kept by the curb. Jesus, he met his disciples over that fire of fish and bread, and then he spoke to them. They knew that it was the resurrected Christ. And in the following verses of John chapter 21, which I have not read, but which is famously known, Jesus pulls Peter aside and challenges him. Do you love me, Peter? Of course, you know I love you. He asked three times to match the three times that Peter denied him earlier, not so many days before. Then if you love me, I want you to feed my sheep. As Peter runs to Jesus, as Peter has met his need in the moment, as Jesus has provided a meal for him to eat. Jesus is also calling Peter to something greater. I want you to look beyond the moment, Peter, and I want you to know that you have a destiny. I have a specific plan and trajectory for you. You have been created for a reason. And now that you're in my company, and now that you have reaffirmed your commitment to follow me, I'm telling you, I am calling you to shepherd. You will nourish and you will feed my sheep, my followers, my people. Peter naturally looks around and looks at the others. Well, what about them? What about this John guy? What about Nathaniel? What about Thomas? What about James and John, the two brothers? What about these two other disciples unnamed? What about them? And Jesus says, don't worry about them. My plans for them are also set, but that's not your concern. What I want you to know, Peter, is I'm calling you to feed my sheep. Friends, as you run to Jesus, I promise you he has a plan for your life too. It may not be the same as Peter's, and it may have different places that it will take you. But there is a plan. You have not been created by chance. You are not here at random in this world at this hour. God has a plan for you. What is required is that you be willing to climb out of your boat and run to the shore and bow before Jesus. When you do that, 
He will gently and sweetly pull you aside too. The whole plan may not be disclosed. Peter did not get the whole calendar of his life going forward, but he knew enough to know. My vocation from this day forward will not be fishing. My job, my calling, will not simply be what I have once known. The Lord would call Peter to far places, and Peter would have adventures that he could not then have imagined. But in this moment, on this beach, Peter received a call from Jesus himself personally that would change the world. I'm speaking to you today because Peter was faithful to that calling, as were the other disciples. They were so convinced that Jesus lived. They were so persuaded that he had risen from the dead. They were so devoted to the reality that he is the very person of God that they risked everything, their vocations, their lives, their businesses, their home place, their health. They faced imprisonment and beating and flogging and persecution that is unspeakable, but they would never be moved from the reality, Jesus lives. And we stand here today with that same truth to tell you Jesus lives. Wherever you are today, whatever you're doing, no matter how long you've been fishing, to no avail. Jesus is close by. He's waiting to feed you, to embrace you, to call you to great and wonderful things. Will you get out of the boat? Will you climb onto the shore right here where I am? You can do it right where you are, and you can do it right now. Take a step. Pray with me. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you are here. We're thankful that you are here in the person of your Son and that the living Christ is always close by. I pray by the power of his Holy Spirit that we will hear his voice calling us. And may we be willing to get wet, to climb out of the boat, to take every step necessary to bring us closer to him. And may we, Lord, as we see him, open our hearts to whatever he calls us to do. May we, like Peter, be faithful to that call. May we leave the world in a better place than we found it because we were obedient to our Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the reality of Christ. Thank you for this beach in Galilee, but thank you for the beach wherever our listeners are right now, for we're all on the beach of a kind, and Jesus is close by. Honor everyone, Lord. Honor everyone who is praying with me now and climbing out of the boat. Help them to meet Jesus up close and personal. And we pray in his name and for his glory alone. Amen. Spirit, come and change the atmosphere. Convict and open hearts to hear the anthems that the angels sing. The worship of the King.
Now, if you'd like to know more about this Jesus who called Peter from the sea and who is calling you, you give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We'd love to talk to you more about Jesus. We'd love to hear your heart cry, and we'll pray with you too. Just give us that call. Alternatively, if you'd prefer, check us out online. Our web address, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can actually see photographs and some video of our journey through the Holy Land just now. And you can send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, send me a letter. Just address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or use the post, let us hear from you this week. We're so glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll be with us again next week as we continue to bring you, right here from the land called Holy, stories of Jesus in Galilee. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.